3: This is Paul Hawkesby, and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, we had to talk Scotland, of course, and we spoke to an old pal, Mark Donaldson from ESPN, who found himself suddenly commentating on his uh, home nation. He'll explain all and you'll hear the moment when that uh, penalty was saved through his eyes. Uh, we also uh, had a chat this afternoon with Martin Kellner, as always, uh, squad number nine. Uh, and he looked at a week of sport on TV. Daniel Gray joined us, uh, fine author. His new book is Extra Time and it's uh, a lovely read um, and you'll hear from Daniel. Plus, uh, we spoke to Mike Ward as well uh, from The Star and looked at some non-sporting tennis and big TV events away from sport this weekend. So here it all is. (laughs)
4: Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. And uh, what a great night, South Scotland, wasn't it? There. <laughs> Especially when they conceded so late, it was uh, it was amazing. But it was a really enjoyable game, and it was it had jeopardy. There was so much on the game; it was the best game of the week by far. I really enjoyed it, and it, it's not that I don't like international football. I've decided I just don't like sport without jeopardy. I don't like sport that's just for the money. Mm-hmm. Like I, I understand why it's there, but I'm not interested. But that was great. That was great sport, great football, and well done to Scotland.
3: Yeah, did Although you one
4: thing? Oh yeah. Just one thing, though, I'd forgotten they're in our group, and that is the worst thing. Honestly, you can hear Ali McCoy say it's so... They don't care about the tournament. They don't care what happens. As long as they beat us on that Friday (laughs) night, that's it. And they'll put so much into it, you know. So it's a hard game for England. That a harder game than Serbia would have been, I think.
3: Oh no, no! It's and it, it's a tough group anyway. It's going to be it's going to be a pretty tough game mm. with Croatia in there. But it, it was an amazing game. I've, I successfully flicked around. You can't normally do that because I wanted to keep an eye on Northern Ireland, <laughs> and I wanted to obviously keep an eye on England. And of course, England's. So I was flicking back and flicking back and just kind of looking at my phone, see if anything was going on all the time, and watching a bit of the Scotland game, waving the TV. And it worked. Normally, that's a disaster. Didn't miss any goals. (laughs) As soon as it was 3-0 to England, I knew it was done. I saw all the subs come on. I kind of thought, nothing else is going to happen now. So, stuck with Scotland from that point throughout. But then, of course, I flicked over at Northern Ireland just at the end of that game to watch them celebrating. And they equalised, so (laughs) that was a disaster. So uh, that was a bit of a blow. But uh, yeah, successful flicking around generally doesn't work, as I found on Champions League nights. But uh, I agree with you. Yeah, it was it was it was a cracking game, and the last sort of forty forty odd minutes of the Scotland game were amazing.
4: It was. A couple of notes from it. Uh, Lyndon Dykes, who I thought was brilliant, actually. Yeah. I haven't seen him play before. I thought it was excellent. Mm. He was born in Australia to Scottish yeah. parents. I was thinking, he must really want England to lose the ashes. Can you imagine? He's Scottish and yeah. Australian. If this is either a <laughs> so don't-ask-me
3: that... moment from me or you, because we had Lyndon on the show, but I can't remember whether you were off that day and I was on with Charlie or Max, but we did have a chat with him on the show uh, about two months ago. So you don't remember that at all, do you? I don't remember I'll, it at all, I'll look no. back to see. we'll try and look back and see if you were on oh, that don't day. don't bother. <laughs> you know it was me. Don't
4: bother. Lovely guy, <laughs> I'll take. It? I'll just automatically assume the humiliation. You don't have to waste time researching <laughs> it. Uh, Maksimovic, I thought he could have played for Scotland. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> Mixed. And uh, you know, it was all, all in all a pretty good night. And I managed to, all, talking about flicking around, I just caught Tiger on the 18th going for a birdie, which he didn't Oh, mate. so he you, played, play, you, you, you flicked around and
3: got some golf with that. That is bold that's top flicking that's that's top Premier League flicking, flicking if you had a bit of golf in as well that's because that's brilliant.
4: The thing is, you've probably had a small wager as well, and I mean small, but I've had a small wager on Reed Woods Westwood, and then they were all brilliantly, all four under. And then I went with Bob's tip, Patrick Cantley. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Yeah,
3: <laughs> didn't work out quite so <laughs> well. I was on Reed as well, so
4: um, yeah, he's well in there. So yeah, he's looking good. pretty
3: good. So anyway, we we shall see. We'll see how that all pans out. And I thought you'd like this. Um, I don't know if you've seen that the. The World Health Expo is on at the moment. It's taking place at the moment, mm. the World Health Expo. It's uh, okay. it's a, an exhibition of high-tech um, personal protection equipment, obviously very timely at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's one week a year. This is the second time they've done it, and you, it's all the latest technology and all the things in the in the PPE market. Uh, have a guess where they're <laughs> I holding you. it. Have a guess <laughs> where they're holding it uh, this year.
4: I thought you could say it was cancelled. <laughs> okay, um... I don't know, where, where's bad? Brazil, somewhere like that. I have another guess. America. No, I'll give you
3: one more and just think of the least likely place where this is taking place this week. New Zealand? No, <clears throat> Wuhan. Okay. Wuhan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody That's at the brilliant. World Health Expo <laughs> Organising Committee has got a real sense of humour, hasn't he? Let's put it on in Wuhan. <laughs> Wuhan. And it, you get 20% off if you bring your own pangolin with you. <laughs> No, it's not true, (laughs) actually. But seriously,
4: I mean, you would have thought this year, maybe we shouldn't hold it in Wuhan
3: Wuhan this year. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I
4: think you've got a point, actually. That's true, yeah. And... One thing I was shocked, I saw that Greg Clark had to give up his role at FIFA due to all the problems he had. One thing I didn't even know he was paid, he gets £190,000. Yeah. I don't even know, talk about money for old rope. What does he even do for that money? It's unbelievable. I thought I he was the know. chairman of the FA. How does he find time to do something for FIFA that's worth hundred and ninety grand a year? Yeah. God, he would have thought he would have come trade, in the
3: remit of uh, being part of the FA. If you're an elected official to do something yeah. for on the FA's behalf, for Fever or was it something he did personally I don't know that's right
4: now I took your advice this morning Paul very you- good advice and I, I did a bit of Joe Wicks oh and, good uh, you tried it yeah because you're Remember yesterday I said you, I was doing 15 minutes running on the spot. I, I was gonna. I was really bored. It wasn't. Mm. wasn't doing a lot for my mental health either. So I thought I'll try this. And of course he's brilliant, isn't he? He That's is. No question about it. But it surprised me. I didn't realise that he had asthma. And obviously he's very very fit. But at the same time, he's like really out. But I thought you're you're less fit than I am. He was really struggling. I, I don't. I routine. don't think he is, Andy. I really <laughs> don't. I, he's just done
3: 24 hours for children in need. I don't no. think he's less less fit than you. Are. So which one did you do? I'm interested. Did you
4: do a 20 minute? 20- High intensity. Yeah, I I I couldn't fully do it. To be really fair, the old you know throwing yourself on the floor, leaping up again, burpees and stuff. He likes my burpees. Days are a bit behind me. I have to be honest, but uh, but it was good. It was excellent. I can confirm. Andy, all the credit he gets.
3: Our researchers have looked into it, and you were on that day and had a ten minute (laughs) chat with Lyndon Dykes, and you were just parroting (laughs) back information about the guy that we spoke to him about on that day, which is obviously why we still do. Don't ask me.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Every week is great. Never mind. I probably made the same joke as well. You probably did. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's all right. Um, Anything else you want to discuss? Uh, Um,. Well, and yes, you know, we've talked about this thing, that Instagram, you know, that you feel your phone's listening to you. So, therefore, you talk about something and the next minute an advert comes up. <coughs> for it. There was a whole program about how this all works, the algorithms. But this one, there was a privacy uh, guide by one of the sort of, um, what do you call them, Mozilla, what do you call those things? Uh, search engines. Oh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And it says, It says, a gift guide is warning shoppers against products most likely to spy on us. And it turned out to be a coffee maker that can eavesdrop on you. What yeah, about that? <laughs> yeah. Put some more milk in. So what does it do? <laughs> is it to... sort of, it, it tells it's you to reorder, can... does it? And if you're running yeah, out? Or? So, yeah. yeah, I suppose it sends your phone something saying you need coffee or something. I don't know. It's oh, old, okay. isn't
3: it? Yeah, well, it is a bit,
4: All right, then. I see you're having your coffee at the moment. Fantastic. Mm. All right for
5: some. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport.
3: We're going to take you back to Belgrade last night and uh, over on ESPN in the States. A proud Scotsman was commentating. These are the dying seconds of the game before that penalty.
2: Missed recently for Fulham.
6: Must score here.
2: Has to score here. Mitrovic against Marshall.
6: (laughs) Saved!
5: Saved! Saved! Scotland are going to the Euros! Unbelievable! Craig Burley will not be mentioned again as the last
2: Scottish player to score at a major tournament! Don't you dare, Far! Don't you dare, (laughs) Far! This would be the most Scottish thing ever! If they said retake, Mitrovic misses. What a save from David Marshall! And because this is bonus coverage on ESPN, there is no requirement for a commentator to be neutral. <laughs>
3: Well, I think, I think that's fair enough to say. Um, Mark Donaldson uh, was commentating there. He joins oh. us now from the States. Hey, Mark, how are you feeling this morning? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, a little bit of a sore throat, boys. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> what a wonderful moment, though, as a, as a long-serving yes. Scot, to be on air, to be broadcasting to the world uh, at that moment.
2: So there's a story behind this. I was commentating on Northern Ireland, Slovakia, mm. along with Janish Mihalik. And our producer, two minutes from the end, after Slovakia had scored, she's like, she came up with an idea. Amy McPie is her name. She came up with an idea and she said, we could do the Scotland penalties if uh, if it doesn't overlap. So she didn't tell me. And then at the end, I'm thinking I'm going to wrap up on the Northern Ireland coverage. She goes, right, we're going to Belgrade now and you're going to commentate on the penalties. I'm like, you're kidding. So that's why I said bonus coverage um, right at the end. And when I look back now and I hear what I said, I think to myself, There's no guarantee we're even going to score at the Euros this next summer. So Craig Burley might indeed still be the last. And I work with Craig. He lives two minutes along the road from me in Connecticut. I just hope we score. Just give us a goal. That's all we're saying is give us a goal at the Euros. Yeah.
3: It was it was some was performance it? last night. They they played brilliantly. Um, I mean, you'll you now have to you can watch it back and uh, and without mm, the jeopardy uh-huh. of knowing. I mean, the last minute equaliser. Oh. I mean, it was just gutting it. But it was. I was saying to Jim, and I've said to Ali Ross. You know, it wouldn't be Scotland if it was a routine one nil that you deserved, <laughs> would it? Really?
2: <laughs> no, norm- normality is boring. Um, And everyone in Scotland thinks that. We we think glass is half empty. Maybe this is the catalyst for us to finally have a little bit of belief and think glass is half full, given what Rangers and Celtic have done in the European competitions and and carried Scotland on their back in the last couple of years, which has been great. And from a Scottish perspective now, it gives us something to look forward to. Mm. And okay, there's the, oh, we're Scottish, what's going to happen now? But I just I think what Stevie Clark has done is he's instilled a belief in a squad that's talented, but maybe was just lacking that when they pulled on that jersey. And when you look at the group now, never mind just scoring. We've got two games at Hamden against the Czech Republic and against Croatia. And a game against England at Wembley. That's brilliant.
4: Oh, no, it's going to be fantastic. And Steve Clark has done a, a brilliant job. I mean, you have to say Scotland have got some very good players, but they probably haven't got the depth England have got. But you know that won't matter a jot on the night.
2: That's the thing, Andy, as well, because you look at 2016 and you see that uh, I think it was four of the six third-place teams qualified for the, group, uh, for the, the, the knockout stages, Slovakia, Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland and Portugal. So... This isn't a need to beat England. I don't think we will beat England, although you never know. But if we finish second in that group, we know we're going through. And crucially for Scotland, the, the thing is if we can finish third in that group we've got a four out of six chance of going through as well. So the two games at Hamden are the big ones for progress. The game against England at Wembley is just one to enjoy.
3: The, uh, the footage in the dressing room after the game was good and the interesting <laughs> choice of music, Yes Sir I Can Boogie, the old Backer song from the 70s, but yeah. I was looking into it and apparently it's about Andrew Considine, isn't it, the um, mm-hmm. Aberdeen player. I yeah. think it was a, quite an infamous Was it Stag Do video emerged and, yeah. and it's become a bit of an unofficial anthem.
2: Yeah, he dressed up in drag. <laughs> um, and to, to be honest, I don't care. If someone has said that like, all the Tartan army have to dress up in drag and that's the only way you're going to get to, to the Euros next year, then great. But, I mean, guys like Andrew Considine, um, who he might not be the most gifted footballer in the world, but there's very few that care more about Scotland. If he thought his chance had come, he didn't think he was going to get a call-up. Ryan Christie's interview. Mm, um, a friend of mine, Luke Shanley, who oh, works yeah. for Sky Sports, he did the interview and I and, and just said to him afterwards, how good was that? He said it was just everything pouring out, not caring what people think. He was in tears, Ryan Christie. And that's what it means to guys like that, for Andrew Considine, for Ryan Christie, and Craig Gordon at Hearts as well. He was on the bench backing up to David Marshall. He's 37. He thought he would never play in a major tournament again. He might not play uh, next summer, but he could be involved. And he left Celtic. He took a gamble to drop down our division to Hearts. He's back in the international side after a great performance against Tibbs in the Scottish Cup semi-final. And it's stories like that. And England will want to win. Scotland will just want to get there. We have, and we'll just want to get through. And we're going to enjoy it, trust me. At least we've got something to look forward to now.
4: Sure, absolutely. You've got to be joking. Your whole... The next nine months will be definitely all about beating England. There'll be nothing else <laughs> about anything. Come off it. And, uh, nah. But what a say... What I say from a David Marshall, that was... No, no, but oh, what I'm a not... save from David Marshall, we should say, I mean, not only in the penalties, but in the extra time. I mean, it, yeah. it wasn't just for the camera. But Sometimes they say a save like that, but that was really needed to be a flying save. It was wonderful.
3: But when you watched it back, I was a little bit frightened he'd, he'd come off. I thought we were going to start forensic. Oh, yeah, that... you are saying, VAR, don't you dare, but when you watch it, it's <laughs> yes. pretty tight, isn't it, Mark?
2: Well, that's the interesting thing. So a colleague of mine at ESPN, Dale Johnson, who I'm I'm sure you've you've seen post-var updates every single Monday. Mm. He said the referee got that one spot on because one leg was on the line or one foot was on the line and the other was hovering Mm. above it and then it moved. So legally, it was fine. But that's another thing, and I don't want to take anything away from what Scotland achieved yesterday. But a save and a penalty shootout, that was it previously. Now, you could actually hear the referee prior to the final Mitrovic penalty saying, just wait to David Marshall. If you save it or he misses, just wait until maybe five seconds, and then yeah. I can give you the go-ahead. That's what VAR's done, and that would be the only slight thing. Just to take that five seconds back, it should be joy-unconfined immediately, but we had that little moment of doubt. That's because
5: of VAR.
3: It's a great image, though, isn't it, of him standing just with his arms out, <laughs> yeah, looking in the referee's face, <laughs> and then going. It's. Look, I mean, I agree yeah. with you. It has taken that that kind of split second uh, moment was, of emotion. It was still pretty good. It. it was good, Mark. We're going to have to leave it there. All the best. We'll, we'll no Thank doubt point. We'll speak to you in the build up to uh, the Euros. All the best. Thanks very much.
5: The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport.
3: No, it's not three o'clock. Uh, don't worry, it's an hour earlier than usual. It's Martin Kellner with a week of sport on TV. Sorry for throwing out your body clock there, Martin.
7: Yes, I know. Well, why keep them waiting? Let's do it. Let's,
3: <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it right here. Where should we start this week? Uh, where would you, well, like, let, would you like to talk Yeah, about?
7: let's start with Shoeless Joe Jackson because there, mm. there are some subjects, and I've mentioned this in the past that I would never tire of documentaries or feature films about, Muhammad Ali, Brian Clough, uh, and Shoeless Joe Jackson is one. Mm. It's such a fantastic story. Uh, And I watched this uh, documentary called Backstory Band for Life, which I think may may have three episodes in it. I watched one on Sky Documentaries. Uh, It's an ESPN video. Uh, Don Van Natto, who I'm Don really, natty yes, we've, we've you know he, he wrote a brilliant
3: book. That we spoke to him a few times about uh, g- golf cheats amongst the presidents. So uh, ah, I think he'll have right. to update it very soon. Yes, of course. he will. But um, no, it's a it's a brilliant book. So we're a, yeah. we're aware of Don's work.
7: Yeah, well, it's a it's a great show. I mean, it was a story that I didn't know. Uh, in the summer of uh, nineteen seventy-eight uh there was um there was a cache of um of old movies discovered uh, the way he puts it deep in the northern yukon of Canada mm. an old hockey rink was dug up um, buried underneath was an accidental discovery for the ages 500 canisters of forgotten silent era movies and newsreels uh, literally frozen in time that's one of the rare occasions I've heard the word literally yeah. used exactly <laughs> as it should because they were yeah. mm. um and in I don't know whether you're aware of this story but in 2014 uh, one of the reels was finally seen and the one it was the Shoeless Joe Jack you know the Field of Dreams game yes. if you like uh, the third game of, of the World Series from uh, Cincinnati against yep. the uh, Chicago uh, White Sox mm. and that 1919 series was the famous uh, fixed series and uh, as he says you know 100 years later uh, still relevant I mean they what people forget and I've forgotten this myself was that they were actually acquitted um when the when the trial was on mm. but later um when they were there was a completely unconnected um gambling case uh and when that was investigated then they made an example of uh shoeless Joe jackson and some of the others uh and even on it and we had all the famous scene there say ain't so etc etc uh and we also had the um the director of the brilliant film which i know you'll have seen eight men out mm. uh, the 1988 movie, uh, John Sayles, director of that, was on the show as well. Really interesting. Is this a Thirty
3: um, for Thirty, Martin? Is this is no? It's not. It's okay. an
7: ESPN doco, and, and uh, it's you know if you go on the internet, it's there because I okay. had a look. People are always asking where these things are. Yeah. Um, I watched it on Sky Documentaries. Okay. So it's probably still there on your TV. But Good. if it's not, you will find it on the uh, on the internet. Now the next um, one,
3: the one you're going to move on to, is uh, it's, it's contentious, isn't it? I've not watched it yet. I've seen a lot of pushback on it. It's about um, Oscar Pistorius and there is a feeling that uh, it's, uh, the, the kind of the take uh, on what happened is kind of too far slanted to him and not, not the victim.
7: Exactly, I, I think it, what's happened is it's unbalanced. You know, sometimes when you because it's a three-part um, series and one assumes at some point the BBC will get or the documentary makers will get round to the fact that he is actually a, a convicted murderer. Um, but the first episode, and I can see wh- why it's happened, but it's happened in a rather unfortunate way. You know, when you read the uh, as you say the pushback on on social media, it's a BBC Two Storyville documentary, um, and that. Yeah, they're usually quite reliable but it's rather like when you read a a court case in the in the newspaper and you you read the first day's coverage uh, when they're laying out the prosecution if you like and you think wow that's terrible this guy's uh, definitely going to be convicted but then the defense comes in you think well I'm not so sure so you get a sort of balanced picture Um, what's happened here is they've come in with the defense before the prosecution, if you like, so right. it starts off with a, a sort of history of Oscar Pistorius, which is um, a quite it's a heroic story, as we know. You know, Oscar Pistorius. You you hear uh, some audio from Oscar Pistorius's mother about what he went through the operation that he had when he was eleven months old. You see a little bit of the history of um, South Africa. and um, What a sort of um, a, a state really suffering at the end of apartheid, suffering um, post traumatic stress disorder if you like Hmm. you know when you think of the the level of violence on the street and then also they go into the fact that uh, burglary uh, and people you know intruding in people's houses was sort of endemic in the 80s so if you like building up um, a defense for Oscar Pistorius with only uh, a few mentions of uh, and a few interviews with uh, people connected with Reva Steenkamp. You know, all the people who are interviewed really are friends, family of uh, Oscar Pistorius, or, or, you know, people who are on the Paralympic team uh, with him and all that. So I can see why. I mean, I would hope that. I'm, I'm certainly going to watch the next episode on yeah. Sunday just to see if they do uh, even it up a bit. But the way they've uh, presented it, I think, um, is a Big mistake. Uh, well, you know, they will know themselves. It's a big mistake if they simply, you know, look at social media and what's, um, you know, yeah, and what's sure. been said about the program.
3: And they're going out on Sunday nights, but they're also on the iPlayer, obviously, aren't they? They're, they're yeah, absolutely yeah, are. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, um, I think Andy mentioned this Bruce Lee documentary last week. I've, again, I've not it. watched it. Andy loved it. I think you've you've caught it as well, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah.
7: Absolutely. And uh, it's uh, it's fantastic. The I mean, he's such a fascinating character, and the, there is again some great footage in this. Uh, including his uh, screen test, you know, the screen oh, wow. test that he did back in black mm. and white. Um, I also didn't know, you know, what with my uh, newfound interest in uh, Strictly Come Dancing, um, <laughs> it, it, I was, fa- I was <laughs> fascinated to learn that in 1957, uh, Bruce Lee was the Hong Kong cha-cha champion. Uh, there's a fact about Bruce <laughs> Lee. You know that
3: wow! What about yeah? That? It's in the it's in
7: the documentary, which it reminded me of a quote, quote which now sort of makes sense when you see uh, you know see scenes from uh, some of the movies. And uh, I mean, the story is he settled in Seattle and set up uh, schools, you know, kung fu uh, schools to teach kung fu. But the traditionalists who weren't in favor of him uh, wanted um, wanted to, him to close them all down. Uh, didn't appreciate Bruce Lee. So they sent some bloke um, who was a traditional, you know, who was a traditional kung fu guy called Wong Jack Man, who came to uh, Bruce Lee's school, and um, uh, uh, and Bruce Lee, of course, beat him, beat him hollow, you yeah. know, and was absolutely fantastic. But it reminded me uh, of a quote that W.C. Fields uh, made about Charlie Chaplin years ago when he he saw Charlie Chaplin and said afterwards. The guy's a goddamn ballet dancer. And when you watch Bruce Lee, you think, yeah, he, yeah. you know. He's a dancer as much. And you also see him doing uh, one thumb push ups. Oh, blimey. Don't try this at home. Well, Andy's doing Andy started doing
3: Joe Wick. So maybe you can move on to the one thumb push ups, Andy.
4: The one thing I'd say about this movie that really shocked me was I'd, forgo- and a, I'd forgotten how young he was when he died. And also yeah. the absolute tragedy of because he struggled against racism. There was a lot of racism oh. against Chinese yeah. actors, against Chinese people in America that you don't always hear about. And then just as he's about to crack it, just as the thing's about to happen and be premiered in America he dies and he yeah. never gets yeah. to see no. what a great success but you've, you've he was you've both is wet in my appetite, uh,
3: I will go and find uh, that gents, I'm, we're out of well, time I'm seen. afraid with the live sport and everything else that's going on Martin, we will catch up with you next week but you're back overnight, I take it on Talk Radio and Talk Sport
7: Overnight, 1am Ho Chi Minh City can't wait
3: <laughs> Thanks very much,
7: Martin <laughs> Kellner there
3: with a week of sport on
5: TV The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport.
3: We're big fans of the uh, the books of Daniel Gray, and uh, he has a new one out: Extra Time, Fifty Further Delights of uh, Modern Football. And uh, very pleased to say, he joins us now. Good afternoon, Daniel. Hello, how are you? Yes, we're good, thank you. So, again, how best to explain the book? They're kind of short pieces on kind of little touchstones from the world of football. Things we all. Recognise little moments at the games uh, and things that go on. Like, uh, for example, um, a midweek match of the day. We always look forward to one of those. Being yeah. in an em- being in an empty uh, ground. I'm just flicking through at random. Scoring in quick sure successions. Yeah. <laughs> well, know, not at the moment. You know written, that's true. That don't might have dated. That's not aged quite so well, is it? Yeah. But the, so I, I'll use the word whimsical. I don't know if you like that or not. But there, there is, there is that that kind of feel. That's why I think that's why us and other people like the books.
6: No, I think that's fair enough. It's a sequel to Saturday 3pm, as you might have said, so a continuation of, of finding those little delights that we love, whether they're on the pitch or they're about fan culture or the things that we witness in the matches. That that particular one about uh, being in an empty stadium. This, this book was written in January and February, of yes. course, about the times when I'm in a, a strange town and I think, I'm going to walk to the football ground and creep in a side door. But, yeah, strangely, that's become a, a bit prophetic, as, 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 the, as is the one called Listening the players (laughs) being able to hear the players which was a privilege before all of this (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, all all of those little things from slightly more I hope amusing ones about when the referee falls over and animals on the pitch and patting police horses due to things like the roar after a minute silence and players celebrating in front of you and when the ball goes over a stand with all those the minutiae of of fan culture that we, we cherish so much
4: when you're putting together this book, I mean, are you doing it just by sitting down and thinking of all these great moments or are you chatting to mates and sort of getting uh, things that you all agree on? How, how do you go about researching a book like this?
6: For the first book called Saturday 3pm, again, it was 50 and i had had about 20 I didn't use for whatever reason. And I just, mm. it kept coming to me in the following two years, little things I'd missed. Like I didn't even do one in that book about when goalkeepers go forward. And I thought, I have to write a book just to write about that because it's one of the great phenomenons of football. <laughs> Ditto indirect free kicks in the box. There were things I couldn't believe I'd missed first time, but usually it's things that have come to me sort of watching telly or being at matches, and some of them have, have come... On suggested to me on Twitter and through correspondence since the first book as well, and then it's a case of, is there enough in it to write a whole chapter about it? And then sitting and thinking through everything I love about that particular delight. Yeah,
3: during disallowed goals is is another one that uh, that you cover. It's something that we all enjoy, isn't it? It's a kind yeah. of panto. Oh, yeah. Panto cheer.
6: It's taken on a straight. I didn't know whether to write too much about VAR in that one because there's a sort of a different level to it now, uh, or was when we were in, the, in Premier League stadiums, uh, a jeer upon the cheer, and it, you know it becomes a bit more complicated. So I wrote about the rest of the game, thinking of that one. Also, when, when the other team hits the side netting and their fans celebrate, and you get to cheer at the, that point, is glorious.
3: The uh, there was also one on cup drawers, and I've always been. And you you kick it off by talking about uh, the former uh, head of the FA, Graham oh, Kelly, who yes. was the secretary <laughs> of the FA, wasn't he? And uh, we wait used to love Graham Kelly. He was so much part of that, wasn't he? Games to be played on the fifteenth and sixteenth of February. <laughs> yeah. It was like it was it was a, it was <laughs> part of your youth growing up listening to that.
6: It, it really was, not how. It's you know these are supposed to be things that are still great about the game and the FA Cup draw while a bit different now the cup draw while a bit different now they're still relying on those those clacking balls which I think's great in an age when you'd expect it to be done on a computer somehow (laughs) Um, even now when it's just one player doing doing it due to uh, reasons of hand sanitizer and other things. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's
4: 50 short essays, and we always say about books like this, it's, it's great for the smallest room in the house, isn't
6: it? <laughs> very much. I'm absolutely fine with that. That's one of the few places I get privacy, <laughs> and I think many of you <laughs> listeners might be the same. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Brilliant. I think Tom Greatrix has been in touch on the, the FSA, who says, uh, taking your daughter to football, that piece worth the price of the book alone, uh, he says. Mm. That a little oh, that's feature, is it? Top. Yeah, because
6: yeah. yeah, in the first book, my daughter hadn't been to a match yet, and we live near the grounds. I live in Scotland now, and, and she was always at, at the window trying to ask me about football and say, so that one was called My Daughter Listening at the Window, in the wow. three years since she's been to 27 matches, so it's all, it's all about the, yeah, anyone who's gone with their, with their kid, in fact anyone who's gone with a parent will, will recognise the themes in that one I hope.
3: Did you give her any choice finally Daniel, and who she could support were you one of those no conver- no, no I no, I'm chance. all for that
6: kind of parity she, she has got to she has got Hibs and she has got Middlesborough so she's got an English and Scottish team who rarely win anything so oh, Okay
3: so you're in an Anglo-Scottish Perfect. household right so this is this is a, a good day
6: it is, yeah. I've enjoyed other people's joy, put it that way, but it'll be a different atmosphere in June when they're calling me all sorts of names, but we'll leave that for another day. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: just my daughter. Oh, <laughs> good stuff. Well, it's another great book. <laughs> we highly recommend them. They're a, great, they're a great reader, a lot of fun, and we wish you well with it. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again. Pleasure. Uh, Extra Time, 50 Further Delights of Modern Football, Daniel Gray. Wonderful Christmas present, uh, I'd say. Mm, nice all the, stocking Philip. Like yeah, that. it certainly is. Yeah. All the football lovers in your family. They're excellent books uh, and, uh, yeah, highly recommended.
5: The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport.
3: We're going to look at some non-sporting. There's enough sport on, but some non-sporting TV now. In the company of uh, Mike Ward from the Star, Birmingham... Uh, sorry, Bright- Birmingham? Brighton supporting uh, Mike Ward. Good afternoon, <laughs> no, Mike. No, I, just... I switched, actually. Yeah, no, you, switch. you Yeah, Birmingham. <laughs> Come on, the blues. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, tonight dominated, Mike, isn't it, by children in need?
8: It is dominated, yeah, although it's not dominated as much as it uh, it normally is, because normally it starts at 7 o'clock and, and goes on till sort of Easter. But the, because of the way <laughs> things are, mm. it's kind of hard to uh, sustain it for that long. So they've squeezed it all into three hours. So it basically stops at 10 o'clock. At 10 o'clock, you normally get the news, and then you switch over to BBC Two for something or other, then you come back to They don't do that. It's just, it's done and dusted. So it's all squeezed in, but they're doing a lot of the usual stuff. So you've got Joe Wicks turning up after his 24-hour PE challenge, mm. and you've got a bit of, you know, a Strictly thing and an EastEnders thing... Uh, Doctor Who thing. Um, That's
3: how massive enthusiastic Mike. (laughs) Well it's a format. That's how I feel
8: about (laughs) it. Do you know what it's a very weird thing because I know a lot of people who say oh really Um, but it's it's one of those things you think great I mean I always give money and and if you can afford to give some money give some money. I think you kind of buy the right if you give the money you buy the right to sort of uh, watch
3: watch something else
8: watch something else because <laughs> that's I, think the way dying I look to at say it. it i exactly. don't mean that a, uh, that sounds more mean-spirited than i'm uh, you know because i know it's really important and it does some great things but uh, you know i think we i think it's safe to say that the quality dips occasionally and mm. it is as long as the you, your heart's in the right place when yeah. you watch it that's and you've nice made support. a donation
3: that's, what I do. that's i think that's yeah. key yeah.
8: andy you're looking forward to the james may cookery
3: show on amazon prime aren't you
8: yes <laughs> that does sound a bit odd it's very strange i mean. I mean, they can't go around doing the Grand Tour or any of the other stuff at the moment. So this is literally in in the kitchen. Um, But what I quite like about it, I mean, because he does does do these other shows as well, doesn't he, occasionally, his engineering thing and his taking things apart and putting them back together again type of shows... Um, he approaches it with a with a, sort of from a perspective of I don't know anything about cooking. I can't cook. But rather than do the sort of you know look at me, aren't I useless? Which would be really really tedious after about five minutes and not very, not very watchable. He actually says, look, I don't know, but I think I can learn if I can do this. And he approaches, approaches it sort of quite a scientific way because obviously a lot of cooking is science, really, isn't it? Mm. Um, and it's quite interesting to watch because he has fun with it and he's quite self deprecating. But at the same time, he gets to the end of it and he has made stuff. And you actually watch it and think, oh, yeah, okay. James May can do it I can do it (laughs) Okay, well that's good Amazon Prime from today He doesn't
4: cut to Richard Hammond burning himself in the kitchen (laughs) (laughs) His gloves on fire Um,
3: (laughs) (laughs) Strictly um, uh, Nicola Adams (laughs) from the world of sport and Catcher Jones are out of course because of the virus You say Bill Bailey is now the favourite Bill Bailey is now the favourite I mean it's interesting
8: watching him because we've talked about him every week and the fact that he was 66-1 originally and then he started performing and it's interesting when you watch him because he's actually he's not clowning him around he really is sort of doing it for real hmm. and he's very very proud of how how, how much he's achieving and that sounds like co- condescending because it, it doesn't it, it isn't because he is doing really well and the musicality that he's obviously got as part of his act really is helping him and he's doing a rap tomorrow which is great oh, is some, oh, okay. Well, some something, something rappy based. I don't know whether he's doing the actual rapping because he's meant to be dancing, but I don't know. We'll see. So anyway, that's uh, well, that's good. That right.
3: I've, I've not watched a minute. I've got honest, but I like Bill Bailey. He's a funny man. He's uh, a very funny I man. I imagine man. he'll and, uh, be uh, yeah, very good in this. It makes yeah. it very watchable. Uh, now Sunday, t- two huge bits of telly on uh, Sunday. I'm a celebrity from a Welsh castle, not not the outback, of course. Yeah, and and the Crown. Let's start with uh, I'm a celebrity. Then, uh, what are your expectations well, looking inter- at the lineup?
8: This is interesting, isn't it? I mean, yeah, the lineup's interesting. You know, obviously. Everybody comes at these things from a different perspective as, as far as you know who you know, who you care about, but the fact that some mo is there is going to be interesting uh, you know Shane Ritchie you sort of think hasn 't Shane Ritchie been in it before? He feels like it feels like Shane Ritchie should have been in it every year yeah. um, <laughs> Vernon Kaye, Victoria Derbyshire, um, Liz McDonald from coronation street uh, it 's a good it 's a good selection, but what 's interesting obviously because they 've been forced to do it in somewhere different. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking... I think they'll make... I just think they'll make a really good job of it, and I wonder whether that would set the precedent. I wonder whether we might get to a point where they say, do we need to just do the jungle thing every year the same, year in, year out? If they're going to do it from now on... Good point. Could they maybe Hmm. just... Ring the changes on an annual basis so that it just feels a bit more fresh because it does get quite samey over yeah. 20 years yeah you know?
3: that, that's an interesting mm. thought yeah yeah um we spoke to Jim white from the Telegraph at the start of the week he made the point that although some sports people have won it mm. a lot haven't and generally it's because they're they're a bit too they're a bit too competitive uh, they yeah. kind of get their com- they get their sporting hat on and they look a bit desperate and a bit needy well I'm glad he picked up from what I said about
8: Victoria Pendleton uh, in the, <laughs> last week we oh, right. oh
3: yeah that's probably what it was yeah probably what it was he, he's just listening to, to me. Great minds, he I'd does say. that. Yeah, it's great minds.
8: Um, but no, it is true. I think <laughs> if you have that competitive mentality, it's great when we're watching them, you know, in the Olympics or, or you know, watching our team play. But actually, it doesn't translate very well to that kind of show-busy, sort of chummy yes. environment where it, where you've got to show yourself as somewhat more you know, broader personality and be a bit self-deprecating, whatever. And I think yeah, it doesn't always um, come across as, as well as they'd like it to. Yeah. So that'd be interesting.
3: Now the crown's back. It's... We should crack on and talk about that because times are yes. pressing. Yeah. That's what and... I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. Sorry, Andy.
4: I, I just wanted to make a point about The Crown. I love mm. The Crown, but I've noticed something this week, and I've noticed it before, about it, that when they sh- match the clothes that the people were wearing, so there's a shot yeah. of Diana wearing a dress and the shot of the, the fake Diana, same with Olivia Colman and the Queen. They never quite get the clothes right. There's one of the Queen <laughs> right. today, she's wearing like, uh, Olivia's got a blue sash on and the Queen famously has got a black. You think, is there some sort of copyright on royal clothes? There is a strange <laughs> thing. Yeah. That's the
8: equivalent of when they show newspaper front pages in TV dramas and they never use the right type face oh. there you are that's a really really tedious that's all that. well, from, yeah, a off. good observation but yeah it's but good, anyway, you should that's be doing that in that
3: kind thing. of voice really mike you <laughs> <laughs> do know they never use
8: the same kind of typeface
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those isn't it really I don't know. Anyway, that, that it's kind it, of voice yeah. yeah. it's <laughs> going to be
8: good isn't it if, <laughs> it's good yeah it moves on to the 70s so basically it starts this is the fourth season it starts with um uh maggie thatcher coming to power and then we meet for the first time in 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 the series the, lady diana spencer as she is then yeah um played um by uh I can't remember, oh yeah M- emma cory emma yeah, yeah who's um yeah comes across really well as that as that kind of slightly coy character but one mm-hmm. who you sense kind of knows her way and the big story of, of course at this stage is that charles has turned 30 and you know he's still having this sort of secret uh relationship with camilla parker Bowles that you know uh, uh his uncle Dickie Lord Batten, is strongly disapproving of um, and wants him to find, yeah, settle down so basically he's steer, being steered towards this marriage which the consequences of which we're all too familiar with yeah
3: looking forward to it it all starts on Sunday Mike have a great weekend good Cheers, to talk guys. to you we'll catch you next week Mike Wardell from the star with his pick of the weeks non-sport weekends non-sporting telly
5: the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport
3: there we are that was this afternoon show with Andy uh, still in uh, isolation uh, I think the first three shows next week you'll be from home but back with us in the studio on Thursday but the podcast continues of course um, and we'll bring that to you around 5 o'clock next Monday and don't forget the um, Clips of the Week podcast is available as well to download every Friday at 5. Have a great weekend
5: You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on TalkSport